What's going on? It's your main man, Rick to Dawn. Hey, what's going on, y'all? So I finally caught up with Merit at First Sight. And the question is, could you fall in love with someone that you are not attracted to? Um, I found myself asking that question after watching Eris and Jasmine. Look, I'm telling you right now, um, it's been very hard to watch these two. And it's mainly because I'm seeing that Eris is basically trying his best to go along with the process, trust the process, despite the fact that he's not attracted to Jasmine. Now, to clean things up, he did state that he finds that he knows that Jasmine is pretty and, and beautiful. I mean, she's won pageants for crying out loud. But what he's trying to do, or at least what he's trying to uh, point out is that she's not his type. And, you know, I can understand that. But the question I'm going to pose to the viewers of this particular video, and thank you all for watching, by the way. This episode is brought to you by rickadon.com, reallyhood.com. Check them out. But the question I'm going to pose to you, and maybe you've been in this situation, um, can you fall in love with someone that you are not attracted to? Can you do that? And I mean, really fall in love. Um, I was I found myself wondering this as I was watching the episode because I'm seeing that Eris is trying his best to come around and be the husband. That I think he knows that Jasmine deserves because she's a good a good person. Um, I think Eris loves everything about Jasmine, despite the fact that he's not attracted to her physically. Um, for me, I wanted to answer this question. Um, just I've been thinking about it for at least the last two days and watching this uh, tonight's episode, or I should say this week's episode, just kind of brought it back to the forefront. <sighs> so one thing about myself, and I'm just going to just kind of have a little a little moment. It's been a, a long day, by the way. So uh, you, <laughs> I'm kind of venting right now. So um, one thing about myself, I've always put looks above a lot, you know, and I, I even went as far as to say as, as, as to say that I believe that physical appearance is 70 or I should say physical attraction is 70, 70 percent of a relationship. I think that is true. And maybe I'm wrong. Um, for all of my life, I've always put a lot of stock in how how my woman looked. Right. Um, you, you look at the women I've you know been serious with. You will see I have a type. However, um, I can't deny the fact that I have also simultaneously been pretty bad with relationships. Now, I would say as of late, I'm doing better. My uh, my last marriage was uh, four years and some people haven't even got that far. And my current marriage is six years and counting. So, you know, I may be being a little bit hard on myself, um, but there's something to say about it because before I, before my last two relationships, I was in, you know, countless relationships, like, you know, one after the other, one after the other. And I think it might be because I was, Fishing for something more, despite always grabbing what was easily accessible, if that makes sense. If I saw a woman I was attracted to, um, I immediately, I'd never been shy to talk to women. So I'll go up and, you know, talk to them and things kind of go one way or the other. Um, but those relationships usually ended at the attraction. Um, and sometimes I wonder to myself, did I do, did I do this whole thing wrong? Did I... Kind of what Eris is doing right now. So in a lot of ways, I've given Eris a lot of negative kind of feedback. But I am Eris. And I think that I'm starting to see traits in Eris that remind me of myself. Um, always, you know, typically going for a certain look, right? And also letting some good women go by or basically doing away with some good women because you're not 100% attracted to them. I've done that enough times. And I think now I'm starting to realize that maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe going for a woman that I'm, you know, 100% physical attracted, physically attracted to, you know, and all those other elements that make up a good relationship, not really putting, placing those things high up on my hierarchy. 
maybe it was the best a bad strategy. Um, and I think the purpose of a father is to go through things and then give his son the game. And what I'm going to tell my son is what? What am I going to tell him? I'm going to say, hey, find a woman that you find very attractive and, you know, figure out the rest later. <laughs> I feel like that's the the, the the message my father gave me. I always watched my father just hop from woman to woman to woman. to woman, And they were attractive, but it just wasn't more than that. You know what I mean? And I think I kind of adopted that strategy. And one thing I, I might teach my son is don't go for a good looking woman. And I know that sounds bad. And I, I know it does. But but I, I might tell him that don't necessarily go for a good looking woman. Good, go for a good woman, a woman who has values that you can respect. And I think that I am learning that a little late. Um, thankfully, I am married. and I don't have to go through this again. But if I were to do this again, if I were to go back on the market and try things all over again, I think what I would do is I would probably pick a woman that I found to be a good person first. And I wouldn't worry about physical attraction necessarily. I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem with Eris and the problem he's facing. He's placed so much stock into physical attraction that he might even be passing or looking past a woman that I think is pretty decent. I, I think Jasmine is a good woman. And, you know, one thing my mother taught me, I'm sorry, this is like way off topic, but like I said, I need to vent. And I won't go into details, but I'll say this. One thing my mother always told me was, you know, never pick a woman based off of a uh, physicality. And the reason she told me that is because in a marriage that lasts a test of time and it lasts for 30, 40, 50 years, eventually those looks will go away. Those nice perky breasts you like will sag that those that face would wrinkle that butt just nice and perky would drop. <laughs> you know, so uh, she made a point to state that, you know, don't just pick based off of that. You want to have an emotional connection. And I think that the reason I'm spewing all these different things is because I believe that Eris could be making a mistake right now. Um, there were several times in this episode where I looked at Jasmine and I said, that is a beautiful woman. Now her face is plastered in makeup. And I blame Eris for that because he didn't do it. He has not done a good job with making his wife feel comfortable. And as such, she feel like she has to change herself. So that's his fault. As a husband, you're supposed to make your wife feel comfortable. Um, but yeah, she made that point to me. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I remember when my mother, myself, my stepfather and my siblings, we went on a long road trip and I was about 14 years old. And at 14 years old, you've all we've all been there. You start to feel yourself. You start to feel like you are, you know, you're you're grown now. You ever been you, you had that moment, right, when you feel like. I'm grown now. You want to test your parents out. You might say a little cuss word around your parents just to see what happens, see if they get mad, see if they still slap you like they used to. I had that moment with my mother. Uh, we were on a, a road trip. My mother has um, passed away. God rest her soul, of course. But we were on a long road trip. I was about 14 years old. We were coming back from, I think, Tennessee. And we stopped at a grocery store. And I don't know what got into me. But this day, I was just feeling myself. I think I spoke to about three different women around my mother, right? We were in the grocery store. I saw three girls I liked, and I went to go talk to them. And something about doing that really set my mother off. She looked at me, and she gave me the most most dis dis disgusted look I've ever seen from my mother. And she said, boy, don't be like that. And I, you know, I didn't really understand what she meant by that. But I think in that moment, I reminded her of my father. My father, like I said, kind of jumped from woman to woman, always put, you know, looks above quality, value, the value of a woman. He kind of put the look of a woman before that. And she said, don't be like that. Because she saw something in me that she didn't like. She saw me chasing 
good looking women. And I think she knew exactly where that road would lead. So I'll ask again. All right, I'll ask you again. Can you fall in love with somebody that you are not attracted to? <sighs> I don't know about this one. Um, you answer it because I don't think so. I don't think so, y'all. Um, I do think there has to be some attraction there. You, you, I think you do have to be attracted to that person. And, you know, as much as I like to fault Eris, if he's not attracted to that person, it just is what it is. And I'll prove my point before anybody calls me and Eris shallow. Think of someone that you don't find attractive, just anybody. And let me follow. Let me go along with you. We've all seen at least one person that we don't find attractive. That's just a natural thing. All right. Whether it be facially, physically, pick somebody who you do not find attractive. Let me go first. Let me find somebody. Hold up, y'all. Somebody I don't find attractive. I got the person. Okay. And I won't say the person <laughs> who the person is. All right. Now, uh, imagine going on a show to find love and walking down the aisle is that person you picked. And then you have two months to fall in love with them. How does that go? Yeah. See, do you see what I'm saying? So that is the uh, the dilemma that Eris is facing. And that's why I posed that question. Can you fall in love with someone that is unattractive, at least to you? And I, I, for me, I'm going to say, and actually, let me revise my answer. The answer is, for me, if I'm being honest, no. But I, I know deep down inside, it is possible. And this is what I mean by that. I do believe that if you can, you know, dig deep and have emotional emotional connection with somebody, then absolutely you can fall with somebody, fall in love with somebody that you don't find attractive. I just think it's going to take a very mature um, you know, standpoint now uh, or a viewpoint, sorry. And you know, I think also a lot of women watch this, these little, little videos I do. A lot of women watch these, so I know that naturally they're gonna look at me like I'm crazy because they don't pick pick their people off of looks, but for men, we do. Um, men are very visual, visual. So a lot of our, you know, our, our women must appeal to our senses, our visual senses. And let me reverse the question to fit the woman's perspective. Could you fall in love, ladies, with a man that you cannot communicate well with, a man who doesn't have the ability to speak to you or talk to you? Could you fall in love with that person? Because that's the equivalent to us. It's hard for us to fall in love with someone we don't find attractive. Could you fall in love with somebody who um, you can't hold a conversation with, meaning that you really only have to rely on his looks? Is, is, would his looks be enough to hold you, hold your attention? For all time while you're alive and married to this person. That's the that's the equivalent or the equal question. All right. So anyway, that was just my, you know, my question to the public. And I wanted to know what you thought about that. But let's do a little recap because I did watch the show and I do have some 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 uh, thoughts. All right. I want to start off with Chris and Nicole. Um, more positivity. Um, Nicole is doing something that's a little weird to me. She's now saying that she's nervous that Chris will lose himself. And trying to please her. And, you know, it's very confusing for me because I thought that Nicole uh, wanted Chris to I thought she wanted a person that made her feel good. Um, and I think now that she has it, she's starting to double think, meaning like she got what she wanted. But now she feels bad for having what she wants. And it doesn't help the fact that Chris has a permanent cry face. I've said that before and I'll say it again. His face is permanently fixed as a cry. Uh, it's almost like the Jordan mean face. You know what I'm talking about? The Jordan mean face. That's his permanent face at all times. If you just look and, and you know, it's funny. Every time I see Chris, I always see the Jordan cry, the cry mean. 
every time I see his face, it's permanently fixed that way. Um, and I think that <laughs> maybe that's not the reason, but I'm going to say that him always being emotionally down seems to be causing discomfort in Jasmine. I'm sorry, in Nicole rather, and making her feel as though she's the cause of his emotional outlook. And, you know, I think that's just the person he is. And because he's, he, uh, he's so quiet, I think uh, Nicole feels as if he's not going to speak up if he's not happy. And that one day he'll surprise her and just be like, I'm not happy. And she'll be like, why didn't you tell me? So I think she's anticipating something that hasn't happened yet. Um, but I think it goes without saying that this couple will not get a divorce. It's just it's just going too well. Um, they, they're perfectly matched together. I think if you're going to make an argument that the experts do a good job, then here's your argument right here. Uh, they seem to complement each other extremely well, extremely well. The next couple I want to talk about is Eris and Jasmine. Like I said, J Jasmine looked very good this episode, though the makeup was a little heavy. I still saw a lot of beauty there. Um, you know, sometimes people are born with bad skin. I think that's really her issue. She has some skin issues that are genetic. I don't think it's anything that she's done to cause it. And I really wish I can talk to her and just say, hey, just get some coconut oil and just rub it on your body every night. And mostly your, your, your skin problems will improve. Um, you know, it, yeah, coconut oil will fix everything. It's, I've seen it with my own eyes. But um, she still is very, very beautiful. Now, we got to talk about the obvious elephant in the room and that being her going to the club and getting flirted with. This guy was cringe, by the way, because he hit her with the, the oldest lines in the book. And I got a 745 outside. You know, I got two of them. I'm like, yep. I mean, if she wasn't in a relationship that she's absolutely devoid of any attention, I'm not sure that would work on a woman who's more confident. Um, I think he caught her at the right time. I, I think a confident woman would be like, okay, well, what else do you have to offer? Is that it? You, you have a car? So be it. Um, but because she's so down and she doesn't feel loved or appreciated, that might that might work. And she even said to herself, she felt good just getting some attention. And then she goes home and Eris is in the bed like everything is sweet. I once heard somebody say, treat your woman like, you know, those guys at her job treat her or treat your woman like, you know, guys in the street might treat her because it's always a competition. Right. That's what they say. I've heard that before. And I try to take that a little bit to heart. Like, OK, I'll, I'll try to step up and do things that I might not want to do in a moment because I know that I am blessed to have uh, the woman I have. You know what I mean? But at the same time, uh, you do hope that even when things are going awry, that your woman will hold firm against things like that. But I want to give Eris a little bit of love because I think that he has shown some growth. And I know a lot of people dislike Eris, and I understand he deserves that dislike. But I will say he in the same vein that I spoke about Kirsten, he's made some some drastic changes that I want to just say, good job. You know, I want to give him his credit. I think it's fake. I think it's fake. I think it's it's uh, manufactured. I don't feel that it's genuine. However, it, it is happening and it, it, it does seem somewhat genuine. So to that effect or to that point, I want to give him some credit and just say, you know, great job. Will they make it on decision day? I do not think so. I do not think that's going to be possible. Um, I think that the writing is on the wall and it's just too much there. You know, we know that Eris slept with one of her friends. We know that Eris is not attracted to her. We know all that. But the good news is the silver lining in it all is that I believe Jasmine will find a, a guy very, very fast because she's very, very beautiful. And kind of going back to my opening question, can you fall in love with someone that is or that you're not attracted to necessarily? Uh, can you do that? 
one thing about Jasmine, man, um, not only is she beautiful, maybe not to him, fine, you know, every, you know, to each his own, but not only is she beautiful, but she has a beautiful spirit. Um, she's a go-getter. She's doing things that I admire personally, right? So, you know, despite her not being appreciated by one person, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody feels that way. We've heard this before. Uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I think someone's going to find Jasmine and be and level up. And I think Eris is going to go back to what he's been doing, just sleeping with you know beautiful women that he, he, he perceives to be beautiful. He's going to go back to that and he's going to find himself back at square one, like feeling empty. Because once you have done what you've done with these random chicks, you kind of find yourself right back in the same space with nothing, nothing to take home. The best thing about being in a serious relationship is that all of your efforts uh, they count. You know, if you're just hopping from person to person to person, once it's all said and done for the night, you're, you're back at square one. You're not at, you're not really building anything up. You know, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you can constantly give to them and they can give to you and you can build something. And I think that's one of the best things about relationships, you know, strong relationships. You continue to build together. And then, you know, before you know it, you have something. You actually have something that you can look at and see. You may, maybe it's kids. Maybe it's grandkids. Maybe it's a house. You can look at this particular thing with your person and say, because we decided to stick with each other through the thick and thin, we have things to look at. Um, if that relationship were to be a one night situation or a one week situation or a rendezvous or what have you, you look up, it's nothing there. And I think that is the underrated part of relationships. There's something there that you can look at uh, down the line to say, we built that, you know, we built that together. Uh, a lot of people don't really credit that particular phenomenon, but I think it's something that needs to be looked at. Strong relationships allow you to build. Um, imagine being given blocks and then every time you build it up, you just knock it down. To me, that is what sleeping with random people is. It's just constantly knocking down your progress and not ever building anything. But if you pick a partner and you are able to go through the winds and your your, your blocks kind of lean, but they never fold and you kind of fix the blocks back up five years later. Now you have a, like a, a huge wall, right? That's about when you can realize, like, OK, this is the power of staying with one person, you know, constantly building with that one person, learning that one person in and out and, and growing together. That's the one thing that I think is underrated in relationships. Next, we're going to talk about Clint and Gina. This was a hard episode to watch for this couple because so many things upset me. First off, uh, uh, Gina is, in my opinion, a great hypocrite. She lambasted Clint this episode. And the last time she did that, that was what around the honeymoon or what have you. And Clint basically took a shot back. And when Clint took a shot back about him dating slender chicks or what have you, she broke down as if he called her the antichrist. But here she is once again, pelting Clint with all these nasty comments about his personality and all these different things. And all it would take is for Clint to say one thing about Gina and it would all go to heck, right? That's all it takes, just one one comment. But, you know, it's just not fair to Clint. I hate that Clint has to be in a relationship like this. And, you know, he's a beautiful person. It goes back to an analogy I had a long time ago. Um, you know, you got one dog amongst several fish. And because that dog doesn't look like the fish, doesn't swim like the fish, you know, he starts to feel as if he doesn't fit in and something's wrong with him. And the problem is not something, something's wrong with the dog. It's just you're hanging around the wrong people. You're with the wrong person. And the same thing for Clint. Somebody will appreciate Clint for who he is. He just has to find the right person. And I don't feel like he needs to tone down or change who he is as a person. I think his eccentric behavior 
will be appealing. It'll be the one thing that one person really, really enjoys. Maybe it's the exact opposite person from Clint, somebody who's always down, not feeling happy. That type of naivety and optimism will be everything to somebody. Somebody needs that. Maybe it's not Gina. Maybe the experts miss, missed the point here. But, um, you know, he did push back on it and say he was not happy with it. I'm glad he spoke up for himself because he needs to. And we saw McKinley with a smile on his face, one of the most disgusting smiles I've ever seen, uh, happy that he hopped in the DMs of Gina. What a disgusting person. Look, look, look I'm not going to tell you that uh, I know him. And that I know, you know, I don't, I know much about this guy, but just go, going off of what I'm seeing on screen, what a disgusting person in my personal personal opinion. Whether J J Clint and Gina work out or not, they're still married. So to flirt with a married woman, to slide in the DMs of a married woman, to me is a disgusting trait. And what I do hope is that his sliding worked, and I hope that Gina gives him a shot because I think people like that deserve each other. You know, if, you know, there has to be some rules in place. If a person's married, you give them the respect and, and the, dis, the, uh, the, the distance that, that they're required because they're in a certain type of relationship. They're not just girlfriend and boyfriend. And how disgusting it, is it for him to do that just because the woman he married was not feeling it right? It's just, it definitely has a certain feel to it that just doesn't, uh, you know, vibe well with me. All right. And I think for all intents and purposes, Dominique dodged a bullet. You know, I think we can say that now. She dodged a bullet. She could have been with this guy. And, you know, as much as I wanted to push back and say that Dominique had this, had that wrong, uh, she definitely called a spade a spade. She left early. She didn't even waste time with this guy. Right. And I don't know what it is, man. Um, and then Gina, I have to push back on her a little bit. If a guy slides in your, your DM, especially one of Clint's friends, why was that information not divulged? I feel like that also shows shadiness on her part. If a guy slides in your DM and you know that he's supposedly a friend of your husband. Why would that not be divulged? Why is that not told to Clint? I just feel like that was shady. And I'm glad it's happening on TV because I think Clint deserves better. And I think Dominique deserves better, quite frankly. All right. Um, and no, I do not think that this couple is going to make it. Um, I just think Gina is a little too selfish, self-absorbed, narcissist. I mean, and we all share these traits. I don't want to come across as I'm judge, judging Gina. We all has, have a little bit of this stuff. And the reason that I'm so infuriated with what I'm seeing is because maybe, maybe some of that is me or some something I used to be. And I can see that and recognize that and say, wow, what a disgusting person I used to be. So it's like sometimes when you're looking at people's behavior, uh, the stuff that irks you the most, a lot of times is your behavior. I mean, there's probably been times in my life where I slid in some girl's DM. And as a matter of fact, there's been a, even a time when I've talked to a married woman when I was maybe 21 in New Orleans. I remember the day and the place. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but you know, just different space in my life, not really understanding the concept of marriage. So, you know, I'm not perfect either. But moving on to the next couple, I want to talk about Kirsten and uh, Shaq. I just want to ask a question real quick. Is Shaquille too needy or does he deserve everything that he feels he deserves? That is a big question I would hope someone gives me an answer to. And I say that because you know, this episode, it starts off with him, you know, very, uh, you know, kind of ups, not upset, like furious upset, but, you know, a little unsatisfied, you know. And, you know, Kirsten is drop dead beautiful. Let me tell you, she is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And I'm saying that I'm saying that. OK, you know, she's one of the 50 most beautiful women I've ever seen. No exaggeration. I've been alive for 37 years. I've probably seen a million women. 
she's one of the top 50 most beautiful women I've ever seen. And what makes her even more beautiful, and I think a lot of women miss this, is that she's genuine. You know, um, this is why now I get it. Now I understand why at the wedding, her sisters, her friends, her cousins were grilling Shaquille like they were because they realized that their cousin, sister, whatever, they realized that she's a sweetheart. I didn't know Kirsten was such a sweetheart. She's a little slow too. You know, I'm not going to just throw it out there. She's a little like a little airheaded a little bit. And that's what makes her so beautiful because she doesn't know. I, I don't, I've, I've never got the sense that besides just her just having high standards, I never got the sense that she felt as if she was better than somebody else. And that is such a beautiful quality in somebody when somebody is humble, uh, despite being very beautiful, despite being very rich, despite being very intelligent. They don't hold that beauty, intelligence, money above anybody else or try to use that as a leveraging chip and saying, hey, I'm better than you. The fact that she is so beautiful, but yet she's still humble enough to give this guy the leverage to make him feel like he can call some shots. Like I'm telling you, a woman that beautiful, if she acted the way she looked, Shaquille would have no shot. She would have been treating Shaquille like Eris is treating Jasmine, how Gina is treating Clint, if she was that kind of person, right? But, you know, she, again, is someone who can change. She modifies her behaviors. She's a sweetheart. Man, you know, what a, what a beautiful woman. And, you know, I'm happy that Shaq got her. I'll be honest with you. I think Shaq is equally as beautiful of a person. I think he's needy. I think he's whiny, you know, and I just think that's who he is. So what? And I can only imagine him younger. Like if he's this whiny and crybaby-ish as a grown man, man, he was really bad at the age of seven, <laughs> but I'm like, or at the age of 13, he was a big crybaby at that, at those ages. So yeah, but nevertheless, Shaq is a very, very beautiful person. If I must say so myself, he's a very beautiful person. I love the person that um, I'm seeing in him. I think that he's shown a lot of care for care. He a, a lot a very whiny, but still, nonetheless, he's very caring. He's very patient. I've never seen I haven't seen him yell at Kirsten, even when he's frustrated. He's one of those people who can hold his tongue and just close his mouth. I've seen all that. And that made me that makes me very happy to see that uh, he's representing black men that way. And not to make it a race thing, but a lot of times. Uh, black Americans or especially the male side of things just have a get a bad rep, but he's representing very well. He's showing patience. He's showing poise. He's, he's successful. He's showing excellence. And I just think that's a that's good imagery that we need to see. Um, and and I, I think that I stand corrected because Kirsten finally introduced her father to Shaquille. And trust me, based on all the stories I heard about Kirsten's father, he's a tough, a tough critic. And the, fa the fact that Shaquille was able to meet him and kind of pass the bar, that tells me that Shaquille is a good person, not only on screen, but in person. Right. And quite frankly, if my daughter was to bring home a Shaquille, I would be happy. I would say he's, he's educated. Uh, he seems to be doing well for himself. He ain't gonna buy you a house and he shouldn't because I wouldn't raise a daughter to want a man to buy her anything. It'd be nice if it happened, but I wouldn't raise a, a daughter to say, hey, buy me a house. I, I want to raise an independent and strong woman. I mean, that's what my mother was. That's what I saw from her. So I would raise my daughter likewise. But um, nevertheless, he's a nice guy and I really like him. You know, I, I know you don't get that from all of my feedback and critiques of his behaviors. But, you know, this episode showed me that he can definitely fit. He, he fits the shoes that I believe Kirsten needs from a husband. Right. And I don't know how he did it. All right. I don't I call it the greatest 
the greatest scam ever. I don't know how he did it, but somehow he's caused Kirsten to uh, humble herself and modify her behaviors. Because the first maybe three or four episodes led me to believe that Kirsten was just an Instagram model type and she was airheaded. It was all about her. Something he said and done has made her self-evaluate and something about that I find very awesome. But anyway, that is my my uh, take of this episode. I'm very excited about next week. And it's pretty clear. I don't even know if I have to say this. It has to be McKinley and Dominique divorce, obviously. Christopher and Nicole stay together. Eris and Jasmine divorce. Clinton, Gina divorce. Shaquille and Kirsten stay together. If anything happens outside of that, my mouth will be dropped and I will be extremely surpri uh, surprised. All right. But nevertheless, thank you for watching. Throw your main man a like if you enjoy any of this. And I'll see you in the next one, y'all. Peace.